This is Wessler Media. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on, and they're trying to figure out, how do I deal with this? And I always know Jesus has the answer. He has that next step for you. Let's open up the Word today and see what God will say specifically to you. So I just want to refresh your memory because it's the beginning of the week. At the end of the week, we started this new series called Real. We've started with Luke, but we're headed down a pathway. We're going to talk, uh, we're going to go through the Bible, and we're going to look at Luke, Abraham, John, the Syrophoenician woman, and Paul. Well, today, I know, we're starting the week, and we're looking at Luke, and we're, we're looking at how this guy is a gifted healer. Now, I want you to think about this. In, in today's world, in today's economy, what if someone was a doctor? Think about this. They've gone through the education to become a doctor, and then they say, you know what? The message of Jesus is so important. I need to walk away from my medical practice, and I'm going to serve Jesus. Does that seem strange to you? Does that seem out of the ordinary? Well, I just want you to know, number one, it's biblical. But did you know that there's another guy who did that? Yes, his name was Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was the pastor of Westminster Chapel in England. He was one of the most influential preachers of the last 75 years. See, there's been people that have said, Jesus is more important than the plans that I had for my life, and it, it guided their life. And this is why when we look at the gospel, when we look at Luke, we see someone who's like you and me. We're, we're going to follow Jesus no matter the cost, and that's what your next step is about. We're following Jesus today. Let's keep on this mission. Let's look at the gifted healer. But Luke was a doctor of the ancient world. And so he brings kind of that scientific mind from it. He brings this ancient world education to it, and it just it makes it pop. But what's interesting about Luke is this. Because he put those extra tidbits in there, those extra little information and things, like they wrap the baby in swaddling clothes. Luke is the one that comes up with that. Well, why did he do that? Well, because he was a doctor, and he went and interviewed the people, and he wanted to know for himself, what was that? How on earth do you have a baby in a manger? That is just sick. Every doctor would say that, right? That is unsanitary, all right? So how did you do it? And, and then he throws that little tidbit in there, and it's like, oh, wow, what a beautiful picture. He even makes a manger smell good, all right? And that's because he investigated it. And because he did such a beautiful picture in, in, in telling us that picture, something happened in history. Artists began to paint scenes that Luke very artistically described in such great detail, all right? So they painted the pictures, and then they told people when they took it to the gallery to sell it, Luke painted this. And it got carried down from tradition that Luke painted it. Now, I want you to be honest with you. I do not believe that, that Luke traveled the world with, you know, canvas and an easel under his arm and brushes. He didn't have time for that, okay? But I do believe this. I believe that he made such a beautiful picture, 
He inspired these artists and they drew it with such detail. They didn't want to take credit for it because they could have never imagined it without him. And so when I open up the Bible and I open up Luke's gospel, I just let him paint the picture. And I just like, oh, wow, this is beautiful. I can see that. I can see that in my mind's eye. And see, that helps me. And so I look at Luke and I think, man, this, this guy, he, he's more than a historian. He's an artist. Listen to the picture he paints. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. What's he doing? Luke, he didn't grow up in a Jewish home. He didn't grow up in the hill country of Judea like the other disciples did. He grew up in Antioch in Syria. And he was writing this with the fresh eyes of someone who didn't know the context. And so he paints this beautiful, I mean, Luke, when you, when you read the Gospel of Luke, joy comes up all the time. Angels are everywhere. Because Luke had this unbelievable fascination with the people and the surroundings and everything about it because this was a new world for him. He grew up in the Greek culture. He grew up in a world that was brutal and evil and self-centered. And the gods that he knew about were gods that were vengeful and angry and mean. And then one day, he meets Paul and a team of missionaries from Jerusalem. And he finds out about a God born in a manger. And they said, he's the savior of the whole world. And so when, when Luke paints this picture, it's not just for a Jewish world. It's for all humanity. It's for everyone. Throughout Luke's uh, gospel and the book of Acts that he also writes, he keeps using this, this ancient Greek word, sozo, which means to save or to, to preserve or to make whole. It's really interesting because... The word sozo carries with it a similar idea to the Hebrew word of peace, to make you whole. And, and he wasn't a Hebrew speaker, so he doesn't use the word shalom. He uses the word sozo everywhere. It's like, it's like his salt and pepper on every incident because he wants you to know God loves you and he wants to, he wants to make you whole. He wants to to preserve life, not take it away. He wants to give and he wants to bless you. And that's the mindset that Luke has. It's powerful, it's energetic, it's, it's loving and joy-filled and kind. See, Luke, he was, a, he was a doctor in the ancient world. And he saw the brutality of medicine. You gotta realize, in his age of medicine, there was no antibiotics. He had no ability to, 
to really help you. He could, oh man, he could hold your hand and he could love you and he could make a few suggestions, but, but most of the medicine that they had at that time was still very, very rudimentary. I mean, he would love, he would love to have the first aid kit you've got at your house. Oh man, so, some Neosporin? Ah, oh, that would have blown his mind. In the ancient world, when you went to the doctor, you didn't have a good chance. And so as he begins to paint the picture of Jesus, he sees someone as so much better than the doctor of the ancient world. Because see, Jesus, he had the ability to change not just your physical condition, but he could heal your soul. He could change the course of your life. He could, he could give you hope for your sin, for those bad habits that keep tearing you down and taking you back in that spiral. See, that's the Jesus that Luke heard about. He heard about it and he put it in his gospel. He said that the, the religious leaders of his day were complaining about Jesus because he's giving people all this hope, you know. He's hanging out with sinners, you know. People that drink and smoke and dance and run around, you know. And they're complaining. Look what it says here. It's in Luke chapter 5, 31. It says, Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, the doctoring that Jesus brings to your life is more than just a physical touch. But please know this. We have people in this place. We have people in this room right now with you that are alive today because of a physical touch from God. A doctor gave them a, a diagnosis of cancer and death and the end of life. And Jesus showed up. But more than that. More than that, the majority of us in this room, we've known the Jesus that heals the broken places in our soul and gives us the courage to continue to deal with our foibles, our faults, and that old nature that really tries to rise up and have its way with us still to this day. We're far from perfect. Like Peter and, and Martha, huh. we know Jesus, but where he's not done with us yet. You know, Martha, she was the one that was so worried about the party details that she missed Jesus. And Peter, he was so, he was so busy being a follower that he lost sight of who he was following and he struck a man with a sword. See, you and I, we need a healer. Luke speaks of healing the most of all the gospel writers. He has more accounts of people being healed, but he doesn't limit healing just to physical healing. He talks about a healing that can impact your soul, cleanse your sins, and give you new life. Powerful picture. We know he's a doctor because in the book of Colossians, Paul speaks of him. Paul's writing the church at Colossae, and he says, my team greets you. And he starts listing off all the people on the team. And in the midst of that greeting, he says, our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send you greetings. Now, why is that important? Because in Luke's mind of what it meant to be a Christ follower, it's not a, a single individual that's following God. It's a team of us. We're all working at this together. We're doing life together. We're sharing life 
we're sharing Jesus and we are all rolling up our sleeves. So how did, how did Luke become a part of the team? Well, it's an interesting story. It says that, that Paul, and he had a team with him at the time. He was part of the team that Barnabas took out. He was part of the team, but somehow in the process, Paul becomes the lead in the team. John Mark is with him, and they make their way to a city called Antioch. See, that's where Luke was from. And in Antioch, they experience a revival. That revival is still impacting your and my life to this day because it was in Antioch that those that followed Jesus were forced, first called Christians. Please know this, it wasn't a compliment. They thought we were crazy. Believing that God would come in the human form and be a Messiah, a, a Christ to save the world, that's crazy. Those Christians are meeting over there. And you and I both know there are still people who feel that way about us to this day. That's okay. It was in that culture, in that city, in Antioch, that Luke first heard the good news of Jesus. And like you and like me, at first he was just a listener. He listened to the gospel and he absorbed it and he began to take it in. Word about all these new Christians that Paul was reaching, made its way back to Jerusalem. And they recalled him. They said, Paul, you need to come back. There are too many Gentiles coming to know Christ. And then they have this council in Jerusalem. If you want to read about it, it's all right here. And Luke tells you the story. It's in the book of Acts. And in Acts 15, 16, and 17, it outlines this, this unbelievable story. Paul gets recalled. He's brought before Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, and all the, the top dogs in Jerusalem, you know? And as he explains the story, they come to one conclusion. James, Jesus' brother, is the one that stands up and, and really seals the deal for him. He says, who are we to make it difficult for the Gentiles to come into the kingdom of God? Who are we? The Jerusalem committee comes to the conclusion. They say, don't make it difficult for the Gentiles to enter the kingdom. All they need to know is that Jesus' blood on the cross is enough for them, that he died for them too. And if you're going to give them any instruction, tell them two things. One, don't eat food sacrificed to idols, and do not uh, be involved in sexual immorality. Other than that, don't worry about all the laws. You need to know. They had hundreds of laws. Some of the Jews had, had felt like they wanted to make sure that the law was really met, so they made laws beyond the laws to make sure you never got close to the laws so that they like build guardrails with guardrails outside the guardrails to protect you, all right? And they gave us two. Well, Paul takes their letter and he runs back to the mission field. He goes to every place he's already been and he says, Jerusalem says that your faith is just as valid as theirs. If you've called upon Jesus to be your Savior, to be the Lord of your life, you're just as saved as a Jewish person who was born in a Jewish home, lived all their lives worshiping Yahweh, but you are just as good because you've believed on Jesus. Keep going in the faith. 
And on this trip, he has this ache. Paul has always got this ache. I know this ache. I feel this ache. He says there's one more place that needs to know about Jesus. There's more people that need to know about Jesus. And he's aching to go into Macedonia. And he's been praying. He's like, God, can we go to Macedonia? Please, God, we need to plant a church there. God, we need to reach the people of Macedonia. And God keeps saying to Paul, wait. A new young man comes on his team. His name is Timothy. Paul begins to prepare him as a disciple. And then it says right there in Acts chapter 16, Paul gets a vision. <laughs> and in this vision, he sees a Macedonian man saying, come, come on, come. Paul goes to the team and he says, guys, we got the green light. God says we can go to Macedonia. Huh. And suddenly the language changed in the book of Acts and, and it goes from what Paul and Peter and James and John did and suddenly it says, we. 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 That's my prayer for you. Hear this. It's my prayer for you that you would become part of the we part of the story. How you began to share what Jesus has done in your life and how you participated in the kingdom going out through you. That's my prayer for you. Luke was part of the early church mission team. He was an evangelist. He was probably educated like all the physicians for the 400 years prior to him on, on the proper methods of medicine and like most physicians, still to this day, he was probably pretty skeptical. When you tell a physician that you put on blue socks and it healed your cold, they're like, yeah, right. Prove it to me. That's the way Luke was when he heard the stories about Jesus. He saw the healed people. He saw the changed lives. And he just had to investigate it. He was a little bit skeptical. And can I say something? If you've been a little bit skeptical of God things, you make a great disciple. Ask your questions. I'm a little bit that way myself. He's the author of the book of Luke and Acts. You realize that he authored 25% of the New Testament. He was a fellow prisoner with Paul, so he wasn't just a hanger-on. He was not just a crowdy. He was fully committed. He was a Gentile, a Greek speaker, and a writer. He is the only Gentile to write part of the Bible. Now, why is that important? That's important because... It pulls you and I in as Gentiles. It means we can be a part of the family. We're just as important. We're viable. But it also reminds you and I that our faith is rooted and established in a tradition that goes well beyond and deep into the Jewish history, and we can never take that lightly. Lastly, he was an adventurous soul of the ancient world. He was part of Paul's shipwreck on Malta. Huh. Imagine that. It tells us the story that they're on a ship, on a ship and it's dashed 
to the shore and they, Paul and his team are helping the Roman soldiers not drowned. So they're like Baywatch of the Bible? I don't know. Sounds like a, sounds like a sermon for youth group, doesn't it? And, and they're bringing them in. And then they're building a fire, all right? And somehow a viper comes out and bites Paul. And, and everybody's like, he's going to die. He's going to die. We got a doctor there, Luke. Huh. He shakes it off and they go on. And miraculously, Paul is alive. How can that be? We serve a different master. God had a different plan. People got saved through that. This is why you and I, like Luke, have to tell our testimony. We have to tell what we've seen. If you will tell your story, it will bring other people into the story. That's what he does for us. Listen to what it says in Luke 1. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things which you have been taught. How did that come about? Well, on one of these journeys with Paul that Luke was on, they go to Jerusalem. A riot breaks out because there are people that do not like Paul inviting all us Gentiles into the faith. He had done more to bring Gentiles into the Jewish tradition than anyone else. And let me tell you, it was stirring things up in Jerusalem. They arrest him. They carry him to Caesarea. At Caesarea is the city by the sea that Herod the Great built. I've taken several of you there. Many of you have traveled with me to, to Israel, and it's one of my favorite places to go to. Because Caesarea by the sea, it, it, it shows us where Paul was held in chains before the most excellent Felix. He was held there for two years. Right here is the foundation of the palace to Herod, that later Felix would have used as the governor of that region. It's one of the ways that we know that Paul was an accurate historian because he named the right people. And then we find these ancient governors on Stella and different things. Paul, uh, his life is, is part of the ancient world and Luke records it. And you know what's interesting? He's never, ever been found to be wrong miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. When we gather together like this every day, I think it's really important that we, we think about how are we inviting God into this situation. So every day, I want to take a little bit of a moment to pray to ask God to move in our world. So right now, let's just bow our heads together and let's pray. Let's pray for joy today. I think we could use some joy. How about you? Let's pray for the joy of the Lord right now. Lord, we praise you today. 
Psalm 16 says that I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. Lord, I thank you that in the daytime and the nighttime, I can praise you and that you will instruct me. And the, and the psalmist goes on to say that, that you, you lead us in paths of righteousness and joy. And Lord, that's what we want today. The reason we praise you, the reason that we pray today is we want you to pour into our hearts your joy. Lord, life can be busy and we know that rejoicing and praising in you is what gives us more life to live this life. We don't want to live on our own, so we come before you today, and this is our prayer. Our prayer is that our joy would be made full, because that's what you prayed for us, Jesus, in the Gospel of John. You prayed that our joy would be full, and so we agree with you in prayer today. Fill us with joy. Help us to recognize the ways in which you are meeting our needs. Help us today to to recognize the way you're working and, and show us that even in the midst of life, that we are not alone. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your joy is good. It it nourishes us. It strengthens us, and we feed on that. Lord, I thank you that as I read your word, I am told to pursue joy, to pursue you as the source of my joy, to trust you for my joy. And so right now, that's what we do. We say, Lord, give us our joy. Give us wisdom. Give us the ability to accept you and to walk in joy. You are our joy. You are our Savior. And it's in your name we gather and pray today. Wow, that was so good. Didn't you enjoy that prayer? Would you like more help learning to pray? Then go to yournextstepnow.com. That's right, yournextstepnow.com. Give us your email and we'll give you our free prayer guide. It's an ebook. You can download it. You'll have it right there. And you can join us daily as we learn to pray. We ask God for great things. You know, it will change your life to pray daily. And we need your help. We need your support, your prayer support. So give us your email today at yournextstepnow.com. This has been Your Next Step, a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. We hope this has been an encouragement to you as you seek to have a deeper faith in Christ. If you'd like to hear today's show again or share it with a friend, look for Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. We'd love to see you soon at the church next door. Easily find our service times and our app. I'm Pastor Doyle Jackson. Join us again next time for Your Next Step. I believe you're going to find people that have a genuine love for God and a genuine zeal for the truth. You don't have to dress super fancy. It's so lively and it's so much fun and just you leave like, oh, so refreshed. And I know I keep saying family, but that's what this place is for me. It's family. I'm Doyle Jackson, pastor of the church next door. People keep telling me how good it is to worship God together again. Well, Come join us. Visit us online at thechurchnextdoor.org. Stories are a way we relate to one another. It's hard to underestimate their importance. Wessler Media is here to help you preserve those stories that you hold dear. We'll produce a personal podcast, an audio scrapbook that will preserve those memories for generations to come. Get in touch today. Call toll-free or text 1-833-38-STORY. 1-833-38-STORY. 
or visit wesslermedia.com. That's W-E-S-S-L-E-R media.com. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.